My name is Laura Dawn, and you're listening to episode number 51 of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast, featuring my conversation with one of my dear brothers, Mr. Robbie Bent, founder of the world's leading breathwork app, an app that I use every single day called Othership. And we're going to dive into how you can use your breath to regulate your nervous system, manage stress, and prevent burnout. So our breath controls what's called our autonomic nervous system. So it's just our automatic nervous system. So that means heart rate, digestion, blood flow, emotional state, hormonal release, immune system. So for people who didn't know, our breath is our number one tool to hack into our emotional state that's available at all times. This is just simplicity. And so if you go on our screen, there's a daily up and a daily down. So I've never done breathwork before. I can in under 10 minutes upregulate my state and get a boost. I can under 10 minutes downregulate and push the brake. And so it's just a very simple framing. Like instead of all these names, different styles of breathing, Buteco and Wim Hof and Holotropic and Clarity and all these ones we mentioned, we're just like, look, in under 10 minutes, you can go up or down. And so the goal isn't enlightenment. It's just to teach you to change your state at will and teach you why that's important. I would say at high dose psychedelics like psilocybin, LSD, ayahuasca, there's no need for breath work. You're already having the experience. Your mind's already shut down. You're not going to get added value from also doing it. I would say that the value comes from um, lighter dose psychedelics and, and THC. One of the core themes that continues to come up in so many of the conversations I'm having with other leaders and entrepreneurs in the psychedelic space, and you know, pretty much all of my friends and everyone I talk to on a regular basis are supporting this movement in one way or another. And so in these conversations, one of the core themes that keeps coming up is this awareness around burnout and a need for more burnout prevention strategies. And I think a lot of people are just feeling maxed out and overwhelmed. And there's a need for more balance and for tools for managing stress. And we know what those tools are, but it's really just about creating space in our daily lives and our daily routines to reach for these tools that help us so much. And I wanna frame this discussion within the context of leadership and entrepreneurship. Because stress management is a major component of effective leadership development and learning how to draw upon easily accessible tools like the power of your breath to immediately regulate your nervous system and change your physiological state is truly invaluable. And in this episode with Robbie Bent, we're going to focus on exact techniques that you can use to either upregulate your nervous system or downregulate your nervous system, depending on the situation. And one of the foundations of effective leadership development training is actually training in emotional intelligence and learning how to regulate your nervous system and become more aware of your physiological state directly contributes to heightened emotional intelligence. There are four major subcategories of emotional intelligence, EQ, and learning to consciously work with your breath helps with strengthening emotional self-awareness and emotional self-regulation. And by learning to balance your nervous system, you can take control of your emotional and physical well-being. You can adapt more effectively in the face of change and all those curveballs that we as leaders and entrepreneurs just inevitably face on a daily basis in this very fast-paced world that we now live in. And beyond talking about the breath, 
I just want to invite everyone listening to this to remember that we don't need to be in such a rush. You know, there's so much movement and so much excitement happening in the space right now. And I know so many of us care so deeply. We're so passionate about the cause and want to contribute to it. And there's this really powerful saying that I've heard different elders point to that reminds us to stay behind the medicine. I don't know if you've ever heard that one before, but it's really powerful. Stay behind the medicine. It means to not get ahead of ourselves, especially when working with these powerful substances. So we stay behind the medicine and we support the movement one step at a time. And I think it would be so good if we collectively reminded ourselves and each other to slow down, to reattune to our heart-centered values, to broaden our perspective and weave some humor into the process so we can really enjoy the ride. And to remind ourselves to take a breath, literally. And that's why I honestly love this Othership Breathwork app that Robbie Bent is the founder of, because it really helps me stay rooted in my own daily practice of self-care. And as many of you know, I've also had a super full plate, especially over these past few months. So I'm certainly not exempt from any of this advice that I'm offering here. And actually, it's why I feel inspired to speak to this topic right now, because burnout has definitely been in my own peripheral field of awareness over these past couple of months. I've had a really full semester with graduate school. Running this podcast has been amazing, and it's almost in and of itself a full-time job. And I've been leading this 12-week psychedelic leadership mastermind for women in the psychedelic space and have almost 40 women in this cohort. And now I am weeks away from the launch of Grow Medicine, which has been one of the most significant and challenging and rewarding initiatives I've ever led, which, by the way, you can learn more about at growmedicine.com. And we just updated the pre-launch landing page, which is looking truly spectacular. So if you'd love to learn more, about Grow Medicine and our upcoming launch in just a few weeks, you can check it out at growmedicine.com. And I've also been preparing for some really big speaking gigs coming up. I'm offering the keynote at Arise Music Festival. So if you want to shake it with me on the dance floor and come check out this talk that I'm offering on exploring the intersection between psychedelics, creativity, and visionary leadership, you can grab your ticket and I'll include that link in the show notes. So all that being said, taking care of myself is becoming increasingly crucial and important, and it's something that I really know to prioritize. And as I said, the Othership Breathwork app is just becoming a part of my daily life, my daily routine to engage in this much-needed self-care. And so I wanted to bring Robbie Bent, the founder of Othership, which is the world's leading breathwork app, back on the show. I featured him in season one on episode number 25 after he just spent over a week in total darkness to talk about that experience. But I wanted to bring him back on to just focus on the topic of nervous system regulation and breath work, what it is, why it's important, and simple techniques you can use with your breath to change your state within a few moments. 
You can access all the resources mentioned in this episode by going to lauradon.co forward slash 51, where you can also access a free PDF guide on breathwork and nervous system regulation. And along with that PDF, you'll also get access to a free downloadable MP3 of a guided breathwork session called Abundance, created by Othership, so you can experience their magic. And instead of featuring a song at the end of this episode, I'll be leaving you with a 10 minute long guided breathwork session called heartbeat that focuses on the breath as a powerful tool for nervous system regulation also created by the othership team i'm also going to include a link in the show notes that gives you two free weeks to the upgraded version of the othership app all right friends i think that's everything without any further ado here is my conversation with founder of othership and my dear brother robbie bent Aloha. Hey, Robbie. Nice to see you, brother. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Uh, grateful you, you had me on. Excited to share. This is a topic I'm personally really passionate about. So I uh, just appreciate the chance to have a little chat. Yeah, yeah. I know you've got a lot going on. You're leading some really big projects that are so exciting, such a huge offering to our whole community. So maybe we can just dive right in to the importance of talking about nervous system regulation. I know especially a lot of people in the psychedelic space right now are just, we're leading at the forefront of such an emergent space. I hear people all the time using this analogy that we're flying, we're building the plane while we're flying it. And I think a lot of people are really experiencing a lot of overwhelm and the necessity to call upon strategies for stress management. And so that's why I wanted to have you on. It just feels like such a pertinent topic. So let's just dive right in and talk about nervous system regulation and the importance of this topic right now. Absolutely. So the the simplest way to explain, you know, a complex concept is if you think about it like uh, a triangle. And so on one corner of the triangle, you have the gas pedal. And so that's your fight or flight nervous system, your fight or flight response. It's called the, the sympathetic nervous system state. And so that's, you know, you were as an ancient person, you're out at night, there's danger, a tiger, a lion. In today's society, it's, you know, you're walking through an alley and you hear like, a boom, wow, you know, that, that fear that comes on, right? So that's your, your fight or flight, your body, it's your fight, flight or freeze mechanism. It's your body preparing for action, blood flow headed to the brain and the, the muscles, you're getting ready, you know? Uh, you're becoming focused, you're becoming vigilant. So that's one. The other side of the nervous system is called the parasympathetic, the rest and digest state. And it's in that state where we're balanced, we're finding meaning, we're feeling emotions. So think about, you know, eye gazing with your partner, giving a hug to your mom, um, laughing, you know, having dinner with friends, sitting down to eat, your blood flow, your body saying, hey, I'm safe. Blood flow is moving from your brain to your organs for digestion. And so you're, you're feeling, you know, oxytocin, joy, emotions. And so throughout history, those nervous system states have been quite balanced. And in the last 10 years, things have really changed with the carrying of the cell phone. And you mentioned, you know, burnout, overwhelm. And now we have this device in our pocket. Our brain doesn't know the difference between perceived stress. So Slack message, Discord message, Zoom. Oh my God, I'm late for a meeting you know, unending email, social media, all of that, our brain equates to, to real stress. And as a result, the fight or flight state is triggered. So we're in this state now where 90% of our day, if you're an entrepreneur, early stage entrepreneur, 
leader, 95% of your day, you could be in that fight or flight nervous system state. And that's why you ask people and the, the response is, I'm busy. I'm busy. You know, I'm so busy. I'm overwhelmed. And it's, it's everyone. It's just because there's never ending stimulus. Like if you're a listener and I asked you, when was the last time you were bored? The answer is never, you know, you're, <laughs> you're sitting at a restaurant waiting, boom, phone out, check social media. You're catching an elevator. Oh, boom, phone, check social media. You know, oh, I'm going to check my emails. They did this amazing test on adults and had them put their phones down at the start of a presentation. And then 15 times the average person would go to pick up their phone and agitation would start increasing. So that's why it's important to understand nervous system state is because the way society acts now has really changed. So those are the, the two angles of the, of the triangle, right? The, the up pushing the gas pedal, the down pushing the brake. And then the final is everyone's nervous system state is different and how our nervous system state regulates how the, you know, the level of stress we can deal with what really triggers that fight or flight is based on something else. And so that's sort of our, our vagal tone, we can call it, there's a, there's a few other names, but what, what it is, is basically, you know, somebody, and this is where psychedelics tie in, somebody who's had traumatic experiences as a child is much more likely to enter that fight or flight state. Whereas somebody who hadn't had those experiences may not have those same fears. And so, you know, nervous system regulation also means uh, processing emotions and traumas, whether it's through psychedelic medicines, breath work, nature retreats, different things to kind of um, get into the nervous system and push those traumas out, experiencing them. Um, so, so that's just quickly the triangle is, you know, pushing the gas pedal, pushing the brake, and then increasing the resilience of the nervous system by processing emotions. Mm. All right. And you use the word perceived stress, which is an interesting take. So it's like, there are ways that we can draw upon actual modalities like breath to influence our physiological state. And then there are other aspects of psychology that we can touch on. And before we get there, let's just dive into breath work and how we can work with the breath on either a daily basis or even a moment to moment basis to help regulate our nervous systems. Absolutely. And, and so what's really interesting is this triangle I mentioned, your breath, a tool that's free, uh, actually affects all three. And so our breath controls what's called our autonomic nervous system. So it's just our automatic nervous system. So that means heart rate, digestion, blood flow, emotional state, hormonal release, immune system. So for people who didn't know, our breath is our number one tool to hack into our emotional state that's available at all times. And so let's talk about the up, the gas pedal, the fight or flight, quick breathing, rid of uh, additional CO2 is going to create that fight or flight state. So you may have heard of Wim Hof, breath of fire, holotropic breathing, all of these styles create a fight or flight response. You can actually do this in under two minutes by breathing out excess CO2, increasing the rate of, of inhale, speeding up the breath. So there's exercise to do that. So, you know, maybe your morning coffee, your afternoon procrastination, you want energy that's available to you. The fight or flight response, you know, the, sorry, the rest and digest response, the break, parasympathetic part of the nervous system, long, slow exhales. So when you exhale, your heart rate actually decreases. When you do deep diaphragmatic breathing into the bottom of the lungs, it turns on the nerve center for the parasympathetic nervous system. Long, slow exhales, breath retention, breathing deep into the lungs can all 
move you into that state of rest and digest. And so you may have heard of, you know, Navy SEALs use the box breathing technique, which is four in, four hold, four out, four hold. And you're slowly moving into that parasympathetic state. Dr. Andrew Whale recommends the four, seven, eight breathing pattern, four in, hold seven, out eight. All of these have the long exhale and breath retention in common, and they're going to move you into that system. So when do you use this? Overactive mind before sleep. If you're struggling to sleep, it's generally because you're tweaked up from, you know, looking at your screen before bed, too much stress during the day. And it's just, am I good enough? All these things at work. What about my kids? Never ending worry. And so this style of breathing pattern can move you out of that nervous system state. For me right now, I've, I've chosen this, but I'm working 14 hours a day, 15 hours a day in front of a computer. And so, you know, when that ends, I'm not even a human being. I'm like, uh, just thinking and <laughs> so overwhelmed. And so before I can like be there and be present with my wife and our soon to be baby, um, I need to do deep breathing. You know, I need to use the four, seven, eight pattern for five minutes. I need to use box breathing. And I kind of shut down my computer and I say to myself, Hey, I'm done for the day. Any like notes, you know, they can, my computer shut, they can go into a notepad and I'm not thinking about work for the day. And I use that breathing to shift into like, as I said, that nervous system state where we find like presence and emotion. And then finally, you know, this, this breathing, which people will probably be interested in, in your community is this psychedelic like breathing. So holotropic transformational clarity breathing. There's a number of names for this. All of these have one thing in common. You're reducing the amount of CO2 in the body, constricting the blood vessels and slowing the blood flow to the brain. As a result, the prefrontal cortex, the part of our mind responsible for the ego, so the I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, you know, the fear center, this control, this executive function that's saying, hey, I, I want to avoid this or I'm craving that, that part of the brain shuts down. And as a result, we lose um, a sense of self, our sense of time, our sense of perception, all of that changes. And in that change, when that part of the brain shuts down, we process emotions. So this is why breathing is, is often compared to psychedelics. It's, it's this going beyond the default mode network, processing store and stuck emotions in the body. So it could be you know, childhood fear, childhood trauma, uh, embarrassment, anger. You bring up these emotions and really feel into them and, and release them. And I've seen this happen thousands of times. It's incredible to, to watch. And so you're re-regulating the nervous system and you can do that through any of those styles of, of breath work. So it's amazing. That's a tool you can use to, you know, in under 10 minutes, push the gas pedal on your state when you need, maybe it's before a big meeting, you know, to, to find relaxation. Maybe it's before a job interview when you're nervous uh, or after work to like get in the zone to be with your partner, or maybe it's to do a deep dive and, and um, process emotions that are under the surface. Mm -hmm. Okay. So can we just recap? So if we want to wake up and I think there's also a reframe around the word stress and I don't know about you, but I'm in a, a deep rewriting of my narrative around stress does not equal bad. And I think actually the relationship that we have to stress is really indicative of actually how we mobilize around it and how we leverage that kind of energy to channel that focus. I just read this incredible book called The Upside of Stress, Kelly McGonigal. I'll include that in the show notes. Such an amazing read. I wanted to mention that, but I also just wanted to do a very clear recap. So when we want to sort of ignite energy in the body, let's say in the morning, can you recap that? Yeah, it's, a few, it's, a, it's basically you want to be cycling CO2 faster. So you're breathing out faster, breathing in faster. So there's, there's two things happening. One is on the inhale, your, your heart rate is increasing. 
And then two, by reducing the amount of CO2 in the body, you're creating this fight or flight response. So, you know, breath of fire is an example. So like, it's really like in and out quite quickly, mm -hmm. even just rhythmic breathing, you know, so sort of the Wim Hof method people might be familiar with. So it's kind of in out for 30 breaths without holding mm -hmm. in between and then going into a breath hold. So what you're doing by reducing the amount of CO2 in the body, you're triggering uh, the fight or flight. So fast breathing, uh, no holds at all. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, that, that style of breathing will kick in the fight or flight. Okay. So there's not necessarily a distinction between the length of the inhale versus the exhale to activate the sympathetic part of the nervous system. It's more about a quicker inhale and exhale. Yes, exactly. Okay. And then to slow down, that's where you're referencing box breathing and these techniques with a longer inhale, slower exhale. Yes, exactly. Longer, longer exhale. So long, slow exhale, uh, shorter inhale through the nose, uh, inhaling less oxygen. Okay. Okay. Can we do an example of a, of a slowing down, activating the parasympathetic nervous system? Because I think that is really applicable to most people right now. Yeah, absolutely. So a really nice one is that's very simple is like a four in seven hold eight out. And this is pioneered by Dr. Andrew Well to, to get to sleep. And it, so it's something he talks about quite a bit. Um, you know, his line is that if you want to focus on one thing for health and longevity, the first is, is the breath. And so we're going to even make it, you know, let's call this the two minute, like Sam Harris style break in case of emergency, I'm having a panic attack. And so we're going to add a four, seven, eight, maybe four. So we'll call it four, seven, eight, four. And that's a four hold on the, after the exhale. So we can just do it now. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're getting ready, close your eyes, be in a space where you don't have to do anything. And all of this is going to happen through the nose. So inhale, two, three, four, hold, six, five, four, three, two, one, exhale, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, hold, three, two, one, inhale through the nose. We'll do one more, three, two, one, hold, six, five, four, three, two, one, exhale, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, hold, three, two, one. Nice big breath in through the nose. And then release with a sigh. <sighs> so you can extend that pattern, you know, maybe aim for four of those over a two minute period and you can start to move your state into the parasympathetic. And how do, how do you feel now after, after doing that? You notice a shift? It's a noticeable state shift for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so what would you say would be a great two minute sequence if I'm about to give a presentation or step out on stage? And what was the difference between that and, for example, the box breathing that we hear so many people talk about, especially the Navy SEALs that use this? So the box breathing and what we just did are like quite similar, except we're pushing it even further. So box breathing, I, I would do if I had more time and I just wanted to uh, sort of find focus. What we just did now is great for like, I'm having a panic attack. And so it's even, you know, box breathing, you're inhaling for, you know, it's a box. So you can think inhale six, hold six, exhale six, hold six. And this one we were inhaling four, but then much longer hold seven, four and eight exhale. So you compare the, the holds and the exhale to the inhale and it's quite a bit longer. So that's like, I'm really 
struggling right now. I'm having anxiety. Like I, I feel panic in my body. I don't feel good about myself. That's a perfect, we'll call it like an anxiety reliever. Now, if I'm going up on stage, it depends on how I feel. So it could be, hey, I'm, I'm having immense anxiety of what these people are, are thinking of me. And that one we just did is perfect. It could be, I want to like ramp up my nervous system. I'm hyped. I'm ready to go. I want to get in the zone and just like, you know, like feel into my, my power. And so this might be before like a sales call where you're not necessarily nervous. It might be before a presentation where you just want to want to give it. And so I think I would recommend sort of one style of two, one round of tumo breathing, similar to Wim Hof. So I personally like the in three out one. So it's, you know, in through the nose and in through the mouth, all the way up, like filling the lungs. And if you put a hand on your belly, you want to expand it fully. So like, right. So that in two, three out in two, three out. You want to try, maybe we'll do like, um, in two minutes, we'll do about 15 of those breaths. And then at the end of those 15, we're going to take a big breath in hold and squeeze once at the top, like fill up, exhale. We're going to hold on empty and we'll just do it for about 15 seconds. Hold on empty. And then we're going to bring it in again, big inhale. And we're going to squeeze all the blood flow to the head. And then we're going to release with just like a, again, this might sound funny, but if I was going for ultimate pump up, I'd release with like a scream of power, like an, oh, <laughs> okay, let's do it. so it's just to, again, to get your mindset ready. So, so let's try, we'll go so just follow, I'm going to count. It's hard for me to breathe, but that all the way, like filling your, your belly, your chest, all the way to the brain and then the quick out. So in two, three, out, 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 five more in two, three, out, in two, three, out, in two, three, out, in two, three, out in two three out in two three out two more in two three out in two three out big in all the way in all the way up exhaling and holding on empty we're gonna hold here for about 20 seconds And in this hold, I would generally say what is one moment of gratitude for today what was something exciting a cup of coffee your, you know, um, sunshine, whatever you feel and getting ready for that big breath in that first breath of life and that squeeze, we're going to squeeze it to the head in three, two, one, big inhale, <sighs> squeezing all the way to your head, squeezing your hands, your feet, pushing that blood flow to the brain and getting ready to release with like a roar. And don't worry about being silly. Just in three, two, one. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, why is it that the hold feels so freaking good? The holds and the really long holds are where it's just like my joy zone. I'm like, there's something about it. I feel like I'm floating in the void. Yeah, I just personally love. So so that's, you know, if you're doing that style of breathing past 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you're really starting to slow the blood flow to the brain and it goes beyond the, the fight or flight. It starts to go into that emotional processing we mentioned. And so we really like to layer in NLP hypnosis style scripts. So maybe in the hold, you know, when was the time you felt powerful? And what's happening is because your, your conscious mind, that part of your mind, that's always like judging and criticizing and it's so strong. And I have to, you know, I have this to-do list, the breath work softens. And so we start to ask you questions in that state, you know, maybe it's 
bring up a version of yourself that needs some love and, and send it some love. Maybe it's, you know, a forgiveness ritual. So we found a really unique method of combining breath with some of these, you mentioned like, you know, neuroscience and psychotherapy approaches to emotions in that state. Amazing. What's your take on combining breath work with psychedelics, whether it's a microdose, a mini dose, a large dose, do you warn people to be careful about that combination? Yeah, I think it's dependent. So one, we would never publicly recommend combining psychedelics and and breath work. Um, For people who've used it, I've never seen it be dangerous. I think one thing to consider is, you know, if you're using a 10 minute fight or flight breath work, like we mentioned, or a rest and digest, you know, anything we've just covered, I think completely safe. As you get into the 30 minute plus breath works, you are uh, creating space to open up trauma. And so I think if you have a history of, you know, mental health, PTSD, uh, nervousness of things that happened in childhood and, and surfacing those feelings, it's really important to have support. So we work with Remedy Clinic in Toronto. We work with um, Being True to You. We've got a number of coaches on staff. So if something happens, there is support because people just like psychedelic medicines, if you went into the woods on your own and took, you know, three grams of psilocybin, of course, there's there's danger at any time. And so the first thing is like, is it safe to use psychedelics? The next is, is it safe to use breath work? And so that's, you know, something that you can decide based on having done both and your um, mental health assessment with a therapist. Personally, I've used breath work with ketamine with like extremely solid results, uh, low dose ketamine taken in a, in a lozenge format or uh, intranasal. And I've also used breath work with low dose psilocybin with extremely solid results. And then I've used breath work. And I'm, when I talk about breath work, I mean this more aggressive, like holotropic, fast breathing style. And then I've also used breath work with cannabis. And there's a guy, Daniel McQueen, who has a whole program on breath work with cannabis where you can get to no joke, like ayahuasca, like states. And so I think all three, the breath work with ayahuasca, with ketamine and with psilocybin can have some very interesting effects, but also want to put out there that I'm not a therapist and you know I'm not recommending that and, and there's dangers. So you, you need to think of where you're at with your psychedelic use. But I have seen, I personally used all three of those and had amazing effects. I would say at high dose psychedelics like psilocybin, LSD, ayahuasca, there's no need for breath work. You're already having the experience. Your mind's already shut down. You're not going to get added value from also doing it. I would say that the value comes from um, lighter dose psychedelics and, and THC. Mm, I appreciate that. And also sometimes working with breath work leading into a big journey could be a nice way to sort of prepare your mindset to go into those deeper dives. So maybe not at the same time, but maybe even in the preparation beforehand. Absolutely. Especially if you feel nervous, nervousness, which many people do. I, I mean, I have, you know, use psychedelic medicines hundreds of times and still I get super scared and I'm not afraid to say that, you know, if I'm going to take a big dose, I'll feel extremely nervous knowing what's going to happen. I think after you've had some, you know, challenging experiences, that's kind of more common. So it's totally normal to feel fear and then to use breath work and somatic body-based practices to, to prepare for a ceremony for sure. So you've used the word trauma a few times and the way that breath work can really unlock deep emotional states. Is that because when we experience trauma that we hold our breath and that it impacts our nervous system. Can you speak more to the science of that? 
so nobody there's not like this is very hard to measure so there there's science around using holotropic breathing uh, styles and in response feeling like more life satisfaction uh, greater self-confidence but these are qualitative studies based on self-perception so the actual mechanisms of action are somewhat unclear there's an interesting paper by robin carr harris i think it's called pivotal mental states. And it's this idea that breathwork can reset the nervous system response. So your, you know, let's say your nervous system is dysregulated through trauma. So when you're young, um, let's use a simple example, you know, you're in grade school and you, there's a girl you like, and you know, you go up and you ask her out and she calls you a loser in front of your entire friend group. It's like, why are you talking to me? And you feel embarrassed and ashamed. And, you know, something important to get across is trauma is not always like sexual assault, car accident, war, there's trauma in day-to-day -day life. It's when you face uh, failure, rejection, you know, these fears that your mind has trouble processing. And so what is believed to happen, and there's an example from uh, Dr. Peter Levine that he uses where, you know, uh, animals and animal kingdom are attacked. Their fight or flight system is engaged. They escape the attack and then they start to shake and they discharge the energy from that fight or flight response. And so there's this thought that humans uh, do not discharge that energy. So we go and we you know, this example where I asked out this girl I like, and I was made fun of, and I feel this rejection. It's not processed and let go. It's bottled in the body and then stored in the body. So there's an idea. Um, pivotal mental states is one. The other is, I think it's called somatic completion theory. We'll have to get the exact um, links to these in the notes. But the idea that these, these feelings are stored in the body at the cellular level, and they can be released through re-experiencing. So sometimes it's shaking somatic movement an ice bath breath work the idea is that you're shutting down the conscious mind moving into the body processing these like stuck emotions and and releasing them uh, and as a result sort of completing that cycle and by doing that you're kind of re-regulating your nervous system so if you have all this stuck energy like you know childhood abuse war fear in your body your nervous system's not properly regulated so something that you know for me maybe i go outside and hear a bang that doesn't really trigger my, my fight or flight nervous system. But for somebody who was at war, perhaps that immediately puts them into this massive state of stress. So I think the power in these tools is like re-regulating the nervous system by processing old traumas and strengthening that resilience between fight or flight and, and rest and digest. I'm going to drop a, a nugget here. It's funny that you brought up Robin Cart Harris's work on pivotal mental states. I was literally just rereading this paper again this morning because I am just at the end of this semester for graduate school, and I'm also looking at his research and drawing upon that. And uh, I'll include that link to the, in the show notes as well. It's a paper called A Tale of Two Receptors. And what's really, really interesting that also relates to what we're talking about here is that he talks about psychedelics as being agonist to the 5-HT2A receptors. And if we were to sum that up all the way down, like what is the purpose of this serotonin receptor? of which the 5-HT2A, the 2A receptor is one of about 14 receptors in that serotonin sort of category. And he really points to the way that it comes down to adaptability in the face of adversity and change, the capacity to change. And that's related to what we're talking about here, because if we have trauma stored in the body that creates behavioral patterns that are really hard to change, that essentially we have this, you know, shaking of the snow globe, there's a catalyst for change. 
And again, I mean, I'm coming at it from a different perspective from the narrative of leadership and creativity. But when we look at that research, that the capacity to change is what is so efficacious in the treatment of trauma, depression, PTSD, addiction is also what actually allows psychedelics to be very effective tools for leadership because we are facing constant change. <laughs> you know, you're facing decisions on a moment by moment basis in this project that you're leading. And so this notion that the 5-HT2A essentially boils down to adaptability, flexibility, flexible thinking, our capacity to make a new choice. It's really an interesting to, to just weave this narrative in here. Okay. So what is the embodied feeling sense of nervous system balance and regulation? Would you say that that is an equal balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic? And what is the embodied felt sense that we can really start pointing to in that, that state of, of centered alignment? I don't know that you necessarily need to be in like centered alignment. And I think it comes down to your personal life. So for me right now, as you mentioned, I'm building two companies. I'm working most of the day. I'm managing a large amount of people. I don't think balance is exactly what I'm, I'm looking for. My goals are a bit different. And so it really is firstly like, what do you want to achieve? How do you want your life to be lived? And then, and at different times of your life, that may be different, you know? So we have uh, a baby on the way in October, uh, first child. And so I'm actually going to do a phone detox in advance and uh, at, at Holos with my friend um, Jesse Hansen, and he's created a program to call in being a dad. And so, you know, it's five day intensive psychotherapy, plant medicine work to sort of reset my nervous system for when the baby is there. And from something else I've heard is that the first year of the baby, the nervous system is very sensitive. So, it, you know, again, how true this is, I don't know, but, um, you know, kind of something that stuck in my mind is do I want to be around my baby tweaked up on coffee all day long? Maybe not. So maybe in that state, especially for the first two months, I want to be much more parasympathetic. So, you know, no caffeine, breath work every morning, meditation in the evenings, lots of walks, being in nature. So I don't think there's like a perfect balance. I think it's what, what do you need at this time? And for me right now, I'm in sympathetic almost all day because I'm just so excited about what I'm doing. So I'm making sure, you know, at least three times ice bath sauna uh, in the evenings to create space. I'm trying to do, you know, five minute up regulated breathing. Like we did here every morning on my walk to get coffee. And then I usually listen to a down regulated breathing on the way back to settle in and, and start working. So I don't have a great answer. And I'm even struggling myself, being overwhelmed and busy, even though I have all these practices. So I think it's important to just be vulnerable and list like nobody really knows, do these things and, and feel into um, what works for you. And then for me, what I, I use as like a barometer is what is my emotional state? So, you know, am I irritated? Am I getting angry? Am I like losing my temper? If like those things start to come up, then it's clear my nervous system state is too much in the fight or flight because I'm just not connecting with my emotions in the same way. And then it, it's a signal to me to dial back with, you know, like this ayahuasca retreat in the summer, or maybe it's a meditation retreat. So I'm trying to do one 10 day ish retreat per year, uh, a few weekends in nature, and then, you know, at least one day per week off my phone. And that seems to be enough. Um, but like, you know, this weekend I worked all weekend coffee, both Saturday and Sunday. And so start to feel like, things just kind of uh, feel more important and dire and urgent when in reality they're not. So I think I would just, you know, you can assess 
and I wrote an article on burnout. So maybe we'll throw that in the show notes and people can read and assess like where they, they are. It's mostly on burnout for, for founders, but um, I think, yeah, steps are like self-assessment, determine what's tolerable for you and then add in uh, your activities accordingly. I'd love for you to just paint a picture of your days and maybe just speak to that. You mentioned two companies that you're launching right now. Can you just give people a snapshot of what you're navigating on a daily basis? Yeah, my days right now are crazy and they're not going to be sustainable as we um, welcome a, a new member to the family. But so right now I'm like in my mind, okay, you know what? It's been my dream to firstly, I, you know, we've been on a previous show, but struggle with addiction my whole life. I've been sober for six years through psychedelic medicines, meditation, hot, cold breath work. And I really wanted to get people into these things. And I found that the ice bath and the breath work were like the starting points for people who are maybe nervous for psychedelics, hadn't seen a therapist, didn't really know about mental health, just knew they felt overwhelmed. And so for the last three years, started with an ice bath in my backyard, then, uh, you know, became a garage with an ice bath and sauna. Then it became a, a Zoom session for breathwork during COVID. Then it grew into a course, then an app. So now we have, I think, probably the leading breathwork app in terms of content. And at the same time, you know, behind me, we've launched our flagship space, which is a 50 person sauna, four ice baths and a tea room. It's a place where you do this nervous system and emotional regulation. So we have classes in the sauna and complete darkness around like anger release and fear release. And so it's kind of making nervous system and emotional regulation cool and fun. So something you may have paid $250 to go do in therapy, people are now doing together at a more accessible price point. So it's not a substitute, but it's a, it's a prep, you know, it's, it's my main goals are one, how do we make more people ready for transformational experiences? Cause of the 330 million people in the U S most just aren't, they don't even know there's a problem. They just feel bad. And then how do we help people integrate? So if I go and do an ayahuasca retreat, when I come back, I saw a lot of my friends, the behavioral change they want wouldn't stick. And so it's like creating a space where people can go in community and make change. And so this, all of this is a vision that was inspired by what worked for me and is my passion. And so I'm, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to commit my entire life to this. And so I get up probably at seven every day. I do like a little morning routine, which I mentioned, and then I'm in it like coffee. And I usually don't eat the whole day, which isn't the healthiest. Like, I guess it's fasting, but you know, I'll go cause it slows me down. So I'll go from like eight to four, just at my computer, like absolutely cranking. And, you know, so far in the last few years, we've been able to release an app, this brand new space, which is amazing. And we've signed a lease for a new space in Toronto. And we're now looking at New York and LA to open both at the same time. And so this was just something that was really important to me. So when I think about burnout, it's like, I'm following my passion. I'm so excited. My energy levels are just so high. So it's how to not, you know, allow my energy levels to get manic and completely overwhelmed where work has taken over everything. And, and if I don't take these breaks, that, you know, I'll just be like, oh, I'm going to work all weekend to push things forward. Or like, how do we, cause I get so like you, I know I can hear it in your voice when you're talking about grow. It's like, you know, yeah, of course I want to do this. It's amazing. It's helping people. It's creative. It's exciting. Like for me, this was something I did in my backyard. It was my first business. That's like really becoming successful built on my passions. And so there's such a strong pull to like, you know, and then I see people's lives being changed like we did a couples event the other day and like 15 of the couples were just crying, like eye gazing into each other's eyes in the, in the ice bath and giving each other hugs to warm up. And it just feels like, wow, making a difference. And so that's another way. Sometimes you're burning out the nervous system, but you're getting nourishment from, you know, helping others and like having impact. So again, it's kind of just feel into what works for you, create some space 
um, and, and go from there. Notice how you're feeling. So for me, it's like, if I get start to get, oh, I'm irritated, this isn't working, then I know it's like, okay, you know, take a day off coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're so similar in that way. And I think a lot of people can relate who are just so passionate. We are really passionate people. We love to create. And then there is a bit of a shadow side to that where it's like, it's so easy to go into overdrive. So really having to have those daily practices and building in space. And I'm also in a seven week sprint now too. We're going live with Grow Medicine in less than seven weeks. And so there are those times during the year where there are the, the sprints and then really getting conscious about building out spaciousness throughout the year as well. You mentioned taking weekends and taking those retreats, which I am going to be doing this summer and I cannot wait. And I just wanted to touch on, again, this notion of perceived stress. How much do you pay attention to the narratives? I mean, I can hear it in what you're saying that you're, you love what you're doing. There's passion there. And can we just speak more to people who are relating to stress or what they're doing from this way of sort of critical mind or not doing enough or not achieving enough, or how important is this concept of perception central to nervous system regulation, stress management, prevention of burnout, et cetera? I mean, I think everything is perception, right? And that's why people have different levels of tolerance. And so they're able to reframe and there's like scientific studies on this also is if you visualize and reframe an emotion, feel into it and and reframe it, you can make change. Now for me, um, you know, where does stress come from? So there's like financial stress, right? Especially if you're starting a business, like, is this going to work? If it doesn't, what am I going to do for money? There's like stress of putting yourself out there. So, Hey, I'm, I built this ice bath. Are people going to come? Is the product good? Are they going to like it? If I'm looking at my customer reviews, you know, are people like, putting myself out there, you know, I'm going on a podcast, what are people going to think of me? Like, there's just consistent stress. And then there's all the employees that work for you as to, you know, their, their financial security, how do they feel? What do they think about you? And so I don't have a good response here, because it's so personal. But like, yes, with a startup, especially on the stress is going to come, I think some level of stress is good, right? Like you mentioned it before. So going into an ice bath, exercising, fasting, these are all forms of physiological stress. And by putting yourself through those, your nervous system will get stronger. So you can deal with the mental stress more easily. And so for me now, when those stresses come up, I try to ground myself in my, my practices I mentioned. So breath work, the day, you know, the week off, the weekends off uh, on retreat, not like off, like I'm going to Vegas to party, like off, like I'm reducing stimulation. And then I really ground myself in positive thoughts and positive people. So my five co-founders are my best friends. It's my wife, you know, and we're not doing this to make money. We're doing this to like, because we love it because we use this stuff every day because we're excited about creating. And that is when like, Oh, maybe this isn't going to work, you know, during COVID it's like, Hey, what the fuck? Our business is toast. Like, you know, well, okay, well, let's just do breath work for a community because they're struggling. And, And then it felt good. So I think when you're really stressed about work and these other things, can you try to find something in that that feels good, whether it's creating or helping others or something you're excited about? And whenever I'm in periods of stress about the numbers, I start to just focus on like, okay, well, how do we make the product better? Let's have a you know breathwork party in the space tonight and like get people connected. Let's do something like exciting. And then when I see people in the space, I don't really care. Think about the numbers anymore. I don't really care what they're thinking about me. I just know like man, that was fucking awesome, you know, to like blow people's minds with some new class. So if you're listening and you're, you're stressed, is there a way to surround yourself with positive people? 
um, do things that give you energy in the business, surround yourself with customers that are happy that show that you're making a difference. Like I'm sure when you facilitate retreats, you know, when the people leave, it's not a question of, is this going to work or not? It's like, that was fucking amazing. <laughs> like, but you know, right. So it's, it's kind of like getting yourself into those situations that are positive. Yeah. And what you're really speaking to is the importance of values driven leadership, what all the things that you just named. And that actually is shown scientifically to be a huge buffer towards physiological stress. When you're in those moments of stress, just reminding yourself, what do I really care about? And what do I value? And I'm, am I taking action in alignment with my values? And you just named that. Let's bring people together. You value community. You're building your business around this value and this care for community and connection. And you just named that as a, okay, when I'm stressed about the numbers, let's bring people together and let's get into alignment with taking action around values. So I love that you just spoke to that so succinctly. If you had to name two or three mindsets that you draw upon every day, like what I just did there, explicitly naming values-driven leadership, like if you had to explicitly name some of the mindsets or the characteristics that you're cultivating to be an effective leader leading a team of how many people are you at this point? Probably 40, 45. That's amazing. Um, What would you say some of those mindsets and, and embodied characteristics are? So two that come to mind for me specifically and for our team. So there's like our three core values, which came to mind and which I'll kind of, those are pretty good. Those are kind of aligned. So let's say the one or first core value is inspiring awe. And so what that means, what is awe? It's like when, imagine now, like when you're back to a child and what was your happiest moment, you know, in grade school, like, can you picture it? And so it's probably like playing in a swing set or like going skiing with your parents or you know, um, playing some video game or like something that was just fun and magic. Right. And so as we build traumas, get hurt, build these walls, like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to fail. That magic starts to fade. And so I think what psychedelics really helped me is go from this, you know, person who was like an investment banker and then like just trying to get money at all costs and feel validated and they helped me start to like get rid of those hurts. And as a result, go deeper and deeper into who I was as a child. So one of our values is like feeling that childlike awe and wonder. And what that means is, is, you know, you can share whatever you want, even if it's silly, you can like believe in a sense of magic. And so in our space, we're always trying to create these experiences that feel like magic, like you're a child, like you just are, are happy, you know? So that's kind of one is how do we enable you to feel exactly like, like your authentic self without any judgment? So, you know, if you want to wear a crazy bathhouse hat and whatever you want into the space or, you you know, just it's really giving, creating safety in the container to allow for you to be yourself. So, so that's one that I think is really important. And the second one around that is vulnerability. And so another core value is like building belonging. And that's this idea that everybody can come in and, and feel safe and have the chance to feel that awe and express themselves and they can do it together. And so building belonging, like our classes are, you know, going through group trauma, letting it go, doing things like couples plunges, sharing fear and anger releases, bringing up moments of gratitude, but it's all happening. The idea is traditional therapy was one-to-one and like, that's great. But, you know, as you've seen in ayahuasca circles and psychedelic circles, the group provides like not only accountability, but power and connection and intimacy and social connection is is what we need. So as a leader, we're always trying to enable um, this feeling of childlike wonder and this safety to be vulnerable. And so when I get on podcasts, you know, 
I like to share like, Hey, I'm struggling with fast food right now. Cause I'm stressed. Okay, fine. You know, I don't have, it doesn't have to be on and say like, Oh, I've got my four hour routine. It's like, you know, I'm also struggling with ego for a business. So yeah, we, we built this amazing thing. I want to expand it in the U S and like get my name out there. Like, yeah, that's the truth. You know? So I'm, I'm, I think creating space for vulnerability for our flaws is important uh, as well to actually create real belonging. Cause when you share what you're struggling with, you create space for trust. Um, and then the final core value is cellular commitment. And I demonstrate this as a leader by just being obsessed with what I'm doing and like putting in the extra effort. So, you know, if we're going to put a podcast together, I want to make sure the description is absolutely perfect. When we do a breathwork session, we might spend five hours to make sure like the cues are absolutely perfect. We might, you know, we Harry made a custom scent for a space for the exact perfect smell. So it's like inspiring awe, cellular commitment, meaning like you have to do the work. And this is in psychedelic medicines, what people often, you know, don't realize is, oh yeah, I, I did my 10 gram psilocybin experience and I'm healed. And it's like, no, you're not. These are, what did you call them? The agonists for change, but like, you still have to make the change and you do that by going into the difficult emotions, doing the daily work. So I love this idea of cellular commitment. It's like a commitment to yourself and your community. And then there's, you know, the building belonging of like doing it all together. And so that's the core values that sort of represent how our leadership team works and then how our business functions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually never even really considered this notion of, uh, looking for awe moments of awe as a mindset. I actually really, I like this reframe and it's, it's also very psychedelic in a lot of ways. Um, I wanted to talk about, well, first of all, I want to name that I love the Othership app. It's so phenomenal. And one of the things that I love about what you guys do different than what I've seen a lot of other people do is that the music component of the breath work is, I think, just as foundational for me in terms of what it lends to the experience. And I'm curious if you can speak to this at all and why you really chose to go in this direction with combining music with the breathwork practices. Yeah, I think something really interesting that stuck with me was that meditation was is the practice that I have. I've done a number of Vipassana retreats. It's what changed my life. But then in trying to teach it to friends, the feedback cycle was quite long. So it's just very hard to learn and like make it a habit. And also we talked about this, we're all overstimulated. And so meditation is like the antithesis of that. It's just like, holy, like this is insane, right? And so the difference between meditation, which is about emotional awareness, uh, really noticing your quality of thoughts and what's happening. Breathwork is about changing state. It's changing physiological and emotional state. And so where meditation is often there's a teacher with a large, long history of experience in breathwork, you are your own teacher because you're breathing to the music. And so we found that like, traditional meditation where you would take wind chimes, you're, you're kind of going calm, you know, or just no sound or, or teachings where you're contemplating breathwork was more like exercise and that it's akin to just changing your state, your body state and letting the body take over. And so because of that, we found musicians were actually and the music you're listening to actually has way more impact than the verbiage and what you're considering. And so we spent a lot of time, my partner, Harry is actually a musician, a DJ, audio producer. And so he spends like hours syncing the breath to specific music. So you're breathing along exactly at the perfect cadence when the drops come, when the holds come, when the squeezes come, he's layering in like heartbeats and breath tracks. So it's more about the physiological change, which, which music helps with than the actual words. Um, 
and thinking that you'd have with meditation. Yeah. And when you think about it, music is also a valid catalyst for changing mood, changing state. And it, it, I just think combined with breath work, it's just, you guys are really hitting the nail on the head. And I'm curious, you know, for people who are listening, there's such a wide landscape in the breathwork space now. And so, and I know that you've done really a, a vast deep dive into a lot of different modalities of breathwork. So when you look at the landscape, just to make it sort of applicable for people who are maybe new to breathwork, they're looking at a bunch of different things, different, you know, holotropic, Wim Hof, et cetera. What have you done to synthesize or what are you doing differently? What makes othership and what you guys are focusing on with your app and the techniques that you're weaving in different than other companies? I think a few things. One is, is the quality of production. So as mentioned, like we have a top of the line recording studio, we work with professional musicians and artists We're produced highly producing each track to make it feel like you're listening to your favorite track on Spotify or SoundCloud. Some songs are just like amazing DJ sets you listen to when you're cooking with a perfect breathing pattern. So it can happen in the background. Some are like for walking. So, you know, okay, I don't have time in my day, but maybe I'm working at my computer listening to a set for deep focus and I'm just breathing at the proper pattern while I'm doing that. So I think the quality of production uh, is something that we really focused on in terms of like, how does this sound? Is it entertaining? Uh, not only is it creating a state change, but is it something I would almost like listen to on its own? The next is the the science aspect. So we really stayed away from uh, spirituality, dogma, energies, anything that's like really high on the woo scale, we said, you know what, we're, our goal is to like make this accessible for everybody and fun. And so this is a lot different in, in terms of like, you know, your chakras, your energies, this kind of stuff I'm into, but huge, you know, I'm really into this stuff, but we just decided let's make it accessible. And so we said, we're going to focus on the science and the body, which is what we were chatting about uh, the entire session. So it's like, Hey, we, we understand this. We know what's happening at a physical physiology level, cellular level, and then uh, emotion. And so we weave in a lot of emotion. So guilt, anger, shame, forgiveness, gratitude, compassion, these are universal. And so by doing that, we really stepped away like this experience. If you do an hour of breath work, it's going to speak for itself. You may have a spiritual experience. You may have an energetic cleanse, but we are not prescribing that. We're just saying, look, this is the science. Here's some emotions you might feel. Here's the music and the physical state. And we let the experience both with hot, cold and breathwork speak for itself. And that way it's more accessible to, you know, a lawyer or a banker or a chef or somebody without a spiritual practice. And I think that's what's needed is like that prep, right? That getting ready to feel better emotionally. And I think sometimes in the breathwork landscape, there's a lot of like rebirthing and past traumas and, you know, uh, all these experiences, which I'm all for, but it's just, it's like, what is the first step for somebody to make something accessible? And then the final piece is just simplicity. And so if you go on our screen, there's a daily up and a daily down. So I've never done breathwork before. I can in under 10 minutes upregulate my state and get a boost. I can under 10 minutes downregulate and push the break. And so it's just a very simple framing. Like instead of all these names, different styles of breathing, Buteco and Wim Hof and holotropic and clarity and all these ones we mentioned, we're just like, look, in under 10 minutes, you can go up or down and then you can do a deep dive as well. And so we explain it with that simple triangle. And so the goal isn't enlightenment. It's just to teach you to change your state at will and teach you why that's important. Mm, I love that. I want to wrap on getting really vulnerable. Are, are you into it? 
How vulnerable yeah, do you absolutely. want to get right now? <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. What's the first question? <laughs> I'm just curious, like from a vulnerability perspective, what would you say is, yeah, just the most intimate things you've learned about yourself in this whole project and leading your team and being at the forefront of a space? Like what is the most vulnerable thing that you've really learned about yourself through this process? Something that's been really hard in the last year is that, um, so there's like a good vulnerability and a bad vulnerability. So the good one is that um, my entire life, I thought like I needed to be successful. I thought I was unlovable. I thought I was like a numbers person, an operations guy, like no creativity. I was, as you know, in finance for a while. And I just thought I was like a nuts and bolts person. And then about 30, you know, maybe a little bit before I started my psychedelic work, meditation work and all this creativity exploded when I felt that awe, that inner child. And I started designing these experiences, with my partners and designing breathwork scripts and writing like different sauna classes. And all of a sudden this like wellspring of massive creativity and realized like, wow, fuck, I'm actually a creative person. And that really made me feel super happy and different and, and unique. And that feeling of like, I can make something with my hands and brain that's going to like blow people's minds was so satisfying. And so I would spend hours in my backyard with a little bunny hat on, like with a sound bowl, guiding people through the ice bath, checking like what to say, what kind of meditation to guide them through, what kind of smells to use. And it would just be so much fun. And so that was a learning for me on this path of like, wow, I'm actually creative and anyone can be creative. And I know you're kind of obsessed and a master and like what it takes to be creative. And so that was like one of the most satisfying things in my, my life. Um, it's all this feeling of being a kid again, which is why I'm so obsessed with this idea of, of feeling off. And the flip side of it in the last year is like the business is changing. You know, we have investors, we're getting pressure to open in New York and LA. And so my role, like I haven't even facilitated a class in the new sauna and it's just, dis, it's very disheartening um, because this thing I love and have just discovered, like, I don't really have time for, and because all these people rely on me and, you know, the team wants to grow. The team wants to step into, um, like this doesn't, sauna and ice bath classes don't exist. And the idea of like emotional regulation classes in this container, it, it actually is not in North America. And we have a chance to be like the best in class. And so there's some ego of, oh, I want to do that. I want to be the one, you know, I want our team to be the one. We created it. We want to stamp it. We want to be in the magazines and the space. There's definitely like the impact and like helping people in the product, but there's some, some ego there that's like, sticky because it's like, oh, I'm a small town Canadian kid and I could build this thing on the US stage and I want to feel that success. Um, and, and because of that, there's been like a drive to expand that our whole team wants to feel that success. But now in that drive to expand, I'm like, you know, signing leases and dealing with investors and like hiring people and doing one-to-ones and it's just uh, become a different role. Uh, and so I'm struggling with like, the ego around expansion and building because I definitely want to be successful. But then like a lot of the stuff that I really enjoyed, I'm getting to do less and less of. Mm. This is so common. I just feel like this is such a common narrative that you have this transformational experience, you build your life around it. And then the choice to build a company and share that in the world, because you want to influence the world in a better direction, then inevitably pulls you away from the embodiment and the living of that thing. You know, I experienced that with, with my own healing of, of disordered relationship to food and then, you know, buying land, really healing my relationship to food by living on the earth and then wanting to share that with the world and building an online brand and then if 
effectively pulling myself away, further away from just being on the land. And so I think it's actually a really good inquiry for leaders to look at motivation and to look at, okay, what am I willing to actually sacrifice to help create you know, the vision of humanity that I want to contribute to. And there is some level of sacrifice in that. And you're speaking to that now. You're like, yes, it was so powerful to teach breathwork classes. And now I don't have time for that because I'm building a company (laughs) to bring breathwork to the world. And I think that that just epitomizes what so many leaders face all the time. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have an answer. So that's like, you know, from a vulnerable standpoint, that's the struggle right now. And then also, you know, the next struggle is going to be having a baby in October. And so um, we're really excited about that. Uh, crazy gender reveal experience. Um, that was just like blew my, it was probably the best five moment in my life uh, a few weeks ago, uh, which I could talk about if we have time, but if not. Um, you do, yeah, t- yeah, just share, share what you were going to say. What blew your mind? Well, I'll finish that <laughs> point and, I'll, and then I'll share the, okay. the experience. But I, um, um, yeah, I'm now worried, like, okay, you know, I'm going as hard as I can now to push as much forward. Cause when that happens, like I want to be a good dad also. And that's going to be like, a, you know, I want to push this forward. I still want to do it, but I also want to be there for my baby. So there's, that's something I'm, I'm scared of. Cause I'm so into work right now. It's like my, such a part of my identity, which probably isn't healthy either, but it just, it is. Um, so I'm sure people resonate with that. So I, uh, yeah, those are the fears. It's just, you know, um, the vulnerable shares. And then, yeah, and the, it, so we all go in the sauna, first night, no COVID restrictions, no masks, big party, you know, 60 people, music's on. My co-founder, Harry, um, sauna lead, him and his uh, partner, Amanda, are like, hey, everyone in the sauna. And they're like, hey, our, you know, two of our co-founders are here and they actually got pregnant after a class in the sauna where they set the intention to have a baby, which was a wild story in itself. Um, but they're here tonight and we're going to like call in the sex of the baby, like as a, as a community, <laughs> we're like, what? And so they have these five ice balls and each ice ball has a scent. And so they throw the first scent on and it's rose. And so everyone's like, Whoa, it's a girl. <laughs> Next one goes on. It's cedar. It's like, Oh, it's a boy. <laughs> and so it gets to like the fifth one and it's two, two. And I'm like kind of into it, but I'm also like, okay, like, you know, they're just calling in the intention. It doesn't mean anything. And then my wife's like, no, I actually got the test done. And I sent them the results. They know. And I was like, whoa, like, this is it. Like, I'm going to know right now if it's a boy or girl. And so they throw the fifth one down. It's like pine smell. The whole crowd erupts, like 60 people cheering. Everyone's like, it's a boy. I'm like hugging my, all my co-founders are there. It's Friday night with my wife crying. And it was such a cool experience to have my friends do that for me to be surprised. But then also to see... 50 strangers who had showed up for class and instead of a class, they got like an impromptu gender reveal and people are crying and like, they're like, Oh my God, I'm like just to see strangers come together in that level of community and emotion, like building belonging was like such a moment for me. Like I was so emotional. My, my wife and I had to go home just to kind of like be in it together. Mm. And so I'll just never will forget that. Just amazing. Mm, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else you would like to say in closing? I think for people just to remember, you know, there's so much stuff out there and it can be overwhelming. And just the idea that in even under five minutes, you can change your state. So there was two exercises that we did today. So, you know, you want to go up, you want to go down. If nothing else, you can change your state through your breath. So the smallest, smallest habit that you can do is like, you know, you're struggling. You can use your breath to just remember that. Mm. 
Beautiful. And I just wish you all the best with your baby to come and just wishing you so many blessings for you and your family. Thank you. That was amazing. So fun. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. Just a reminder that you can access all the resources mentioned in this episode by going to lauradon.co forward slash 51, where you can access a free PDF guide on how to use your breath to regulate your nervous system. And if you swipe that file, you can also get another free downloadable guided breathwork session called Abundance, created by Othership. I love the Othership app, and it's how I engage with breathwork on a daily basis. And if you click the link in the show notes, you'll get two free weeks to their upgraded version of the app. If you've been enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment of your time to leave me a review. And if you're not yet following me on Instagram, you can find me at D. Instead of a song, I'm going to leave you with a 10-minute long guided breathwork meditation called Heartbeat that focuses on using the breath to regulate your nervous system so you can immediately experience the power of these guided sessions that Othership has created. Once again, my name is Laura Dawn, and you're listening to the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast. Until next time. All right, finding a quiet, comfortable spot, either lying down or sitting up, spine erect, and taking some deep belly breaths from the nose. All right, this is your heartbeat breath. The rate of the breath and the rate of the heartbeat are inextricably connected, intertwined via the ventral vagal complex of the autonomic nervous system. When we consciously tune into this, when we train these two rhythms into synchronization, we can in turn learn to harness the powers of our physiologies. We can enter into the parasympathetic more easily. We can enter out of the sympathetic more easily. We can more effectively become the pilot and less so the passenger of our lives. This is emotional regulation at its most fundamental physiological level. So here we're simply gonna breathe to the beat of our own heart rate and notice how the breath affects the heart rate in real time. So bring your hand to your neck, thumb on one jugular vein, index finger to the other, and tuning in to your pulse as you breathe. Now, syncing up your breath to your pulse, 
in for a beat of four, and out for a beat of eight, all through the nose. Go for it. In for four, out for eight, tuning in. Sinking up, breath to beat. Notice on the inhale how the heartbeat slightly quickens, and on the exhale how the heartbeat slightly slows down. You feel that? The inhale is inherently slightly sympathetic toned, slightly activating, whereas the exhale is inherently parasympathetic toned, it's calming and relaxing. This is because of changes in vagal tone that occur during different phases of respiration. This is normal, this is healthy. This is automated by your vagus nerve, the primary connection between brain and body, adapting in real time to the circumstance of your breath and of your life. Just continue to tune into your heartbeat and how it adjusts to your breath. As you continue to tune in, realize that you have the power to control your heartbeat, to control your vagal tone, to control your entire nervous system, and whether it's governed by the relaxing branch or the activating branch. Two of our most basic rhythms of life are connected.
inhale, giving you energy, life force, activation. And the exhale, bringing you peace, calm, and relaxation. bring our hands over our heart and take a few slow, deep, intentional breaths into our heart space. With every inhale, the energy in your heart swells. And with every exhale, that energy spreads throughout your entire body. grows on the inhale, and the heart emanates outward on the exhale. Tuning into your heart as it pumps life force throughout your being. and thanking your heart in these last final breaths. The pumper of oxygen, of life force. The center of love, of balance, of compassion. Thank you. 